is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number is 877-381-3811, The speech the president gave today, which I think was mostly written by the State Department, demonstrates what an ignorant man he really is. What an ignorant man he really is. And what a cold, nasty old man he is about the genocide that he just unleashed in another country against women, against little girls against patriotic Afghans that fought next to patriotic Americans and and other allies the consequences this will have for the United States and the unleashing of terrorism all throughout the world the consequences in Iran which is a which is a blink away from having nuclear weapons, Pakistan that does have nuclear weapons, in our Cold War, if you will, against communist China and fascistic Russia. We've only seen a little taste of it. But a few things I saw in this speech which were quite horrendous. They keep diminishing the humanity of the American citizens in Afghanistan. First, they keep diminishing the number. Now it's about 100, ladies and gentlemen. They don't have the foggiest idea how many American citizens are in Afghanistan. They don't have the foggiest idea. But don't worry, because Biden says most of them are dual citizens. And the implication there is don't worry. Many of them really are Afghans who became American citizens. So don't think of them as the guy next door and so forth and so on. So it's another racist, bigoted comment from this guy. But there's a lot more. The numbers continue to magically reduce. Have you noticed? Maybe there's a hundred there. A hundred? I thought there were 250. Then he says 90% of 6,000. 
have, uh, 90% have been removed, which means 500 are still there. They don't have the foggiest idea how many American citizens are there. And still nobody asks, do we know if any American citizens were already murdered? Do we? Anyone who wanted to get out, could get out, said the White House, said the Secretary of State, they are liars. We know that as a matter of fact. Human beings on phones, human beings on video. People trying to get them out. Private, patriotic citizens and organizations trying and can't get them out. There are stories telling us who they are, what organizations they are. They are lying about the genocide that is and will now take place. Through the cover of diplomacy, don't you know? We're diplomatic. We're really going to show them. While the American media are no longer in Afghanistan. No cameras, no microphones, no nothing. Much like North Korea now. We can't hear the screams. We can't see the brutality and the torture. And the rape and the brutality. They're lying about the genocide that is and will take place. We don't trust the Taliban. That's the platitude that they now use to dismiss everything they've unleashed. Lying about the effectiveness of diplomacy against this enemy. Diplomacy? Has that stopped the communist Chinese? Has that stopped the North Koreans? Has that stopped Iran? You think it's going to stop terrorists? Diplomacy? The very definition of a terrorist is they reject this civilized way of doing things, including even wars. They're lying about the future, the ability to defend over the horizon, a phrase that they invented that they want to persuade you. It's this incredible power. And, and Joe Biden... Now that he's pulled all the military out of Afghanistan, talks tough. We will hunt you down. They haven't hunted anybody down. They haven't hunted anybody down. They won't give us the names of these ISIS planners because they didn't hunt down anybody related to the slaughter of 13 American troops and scores of Afghans. We're going to hunt you down. What are you going to hunt them down with? Diplomacy? And we see the whole pattern here, the appeasement, the appeasement of the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, of the terrorist Palestinians in Hamas, among others, of the communist Chinese and the Russians, with the, with the pipeline and so forth. Talks tough after the worst surrender after. Our humiliation. 13 troops dead. None had died 18 months prior. 13 troops dead. He talks about this being a great success. Even today as I speak, the border continues to be wide open. How are you going to stop terrorists or would-be terrorists? If people are getting through and they're not properly vetted. 
How are you going to stop the spread of a pandemic if people aren't tested, aren't vaccinated, but they're coming through? He says, this is what we needed to do as America. What happened to globalism and internationalism? What happened to NATO? What you're seeing, folks, is 1,000 ways to dress up surrender and failure and defeat. It's called propaganda. You're now being inundated with propaganda from your government. From the State Department and the Defense Department, from the National Security Advisor, from the Oval Office, from the staff of the Oval Office. Information, false information, spin being pushed out into the media officially and unofficially, anonymously and on the record. And you watch. I've already predicted all this in the last few weeks. You watch how the Democrat Party soon reorganizes, puts on its boots, and marches behind Biden. The media. What are the media today? The media today are mostly corporations that are organized to promote propaganda, viewpoints and ends. They are corrupt enterprises that do not believe in truth, objectivity, and professionalism. They have no circumspection. They have no reflection. They cleanse the facts. They distort history. And here's the bottom line. Biden's domestic agenda, which will fundamentally destroy this country, turn it into something else, is far too important, far too important to American Marxism, to the American media, to academia, and all the rest of it. And its immediacy is too real. They can touch it. They can smell it. They can taste it. To sabotage it with truth and reality. That is, they are not going to fundamentally turn on Biden. They're going to pull back in their criticism, such as it is, of Biden. They're going to continue to promote propaganda and the talking points you're hearing. Reject truth and reality. Because for them, the domestic agenda is far too important. And truth and reality will sabotage it. Now, I want you to understand something. Me, on this program, I have uniquely raised time and time again the history of the New York Times. I've taken the time to read about it, and to study it, and to research it. Thanks to some very, very brilliant professors and writers. The New York Times, during World War II, during World War II, right? A war that would determine if we would survive or not. got away with monumental acts of propaganda and censorship. Monumental acts of propaganda and censorship. They were willing, as best as they could, to cover up the Holocaust right up to 1944. Now, why would they do that? They were willing to print lies, 
propaganda about Stalin to help cover up his genocide against Ukraine, the Ukrainians, in 1932. Why would they do that? They romanticized and promoted Castro. Why would they do that? And to this day, they haven't been held to account. They're a flourishing corporation. They're the gold standard for the American media. By the way, this is all in Chapter 6 of American Marxism. I'm just explaining it. Why would they be willing to do that? Because there's an agenda that they're promoting. Media is organized propaganda. God, I wish we had a free press. Press that believed in at least trying to attain objectivity, truth, reality, facts. That's not what we have. Now, turning to American Marxism, for those of you who have it, 198. Edward Bernays, considered the father of modern propaganda, wrote in 1928 his book Propaganda. That propaganda is a consistent, enduring effort to create or shape events to influence the relations of the public to an enterprise, idea, or group. So vast are the numbers of minds which can be regimented. So tenacious are they when regimented that a group at times offers an irresistible pressure before which legislators, editors, and teachers are helpless. Helpless. In the present structure of society, this practice is inevitable. Whatever of social importance is done today, whether in politics, finance, manufacturing, etc., must be done with the help of propaganda. Propaganda is the executive arm of the invisible government. This book, Propaganda, was a favorite of Adolf Hitler's. It's also a favorite of Franklin Roosevelt's. That is, how to gain power, how to retain power, how to use power, how to deceive the public into supporting your efforts. You can hear the language that Biden uses. You can hear the language that Blinken uses. That Sherman uses. You can hear the language that Pelosi uses. The good and the bad. Not intended to actually convey information. Not intended to provide you with facts. Intended to demand your acquiescence. You're being treated to this right now. We have fellow Americans who are behind enemy lines. There's not a hundred of them. There's got to be hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of them. They keep dumbing down the number, and then they keep dumbing down them. Dumbing down the nature of their humanity. Oh, they're mostly dual citizens, you know. What does that have to do with anything? They want you to believe diplomacy will counter genocide. Really? I don't think so. Then they lie about what choices they had. They lied that their hands were tied while they take credit for what took place. This is a humiliation. It is a disaster. It is horrendous. We sit here today comfortably in our own homes. 
in our own vehicles. We have American citizens behind enemy lines who are going to be killed. And our allies that protected us. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Now, in the minute or two I've left before the uh, break at the bottom, I want to talk a little turkey with you. The only way to counter all of this is to develop a movement, a grassroots movement, that does not lose interest, that does not get distracted, that does not get dispirited and overwhelmed that does not expect others to do the heavy lifting. And I fear, for us, this is what often happens. Move from one movement to another. That is not what happens with the American Marxist movements. That is not what happens with them. They're raring to go from the moment they wake up in the morning to the moment they go to bed at night. They're constantly plotting and planning and scheming. This is extremely worrisome to me. And I want to dig into this a little bit further after the bottom of the hour with you. I'll be right back. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. As I say, the other side has sort of a permanent organized movement. Some of it's loosely organized, but nonetheless, they, they're at it day and night. We are not. Some small percentage, maybe, but generally, we're not. And if I, as I've explained in the past, about a third of the population of the country determines the future of the country. About a third. The Revolutionary War, about a third of the population supported the Revolutionary War. Thank goodness we didn't have polling back then. About a third. So two-thirds, for the most part, don't decide the fate of the nation. And you can see this throughout the world. 
the Russian Revolution in 1917, that wasn't a vast majority of the Russian people rising up for communism. It was a relatively small percentage, a relatively small percentage that supported the Russian Revolution. Same with the Communist Revolution in Mao. Even much smaller with Castro. Much, much smaller in Iran. You can go on and on and on. Look at Afghanistan. The Taliban represent a relatively small percentage of the population. Now they control everything. This is where we are headed. With this agenda that's on the table that they intend to enforce in the next month or two. This is where they are headed. The war on capitalism, the war on citizenship, sovereignty, the war on the constitutionalism, republicanism, the war on free speech and the nature now of indoctrination and propaganda in our elementary schools all the way up, the corrupt media, the corrupt Democrat Party, the propaganda that they spew. This is where we're headed. We're not headed toward a freer country, a more open country, a more prosperous country. We're headed where all democratic nations have the potential to wind up. As Reagan and others said, the dustbin of history. Depending on which historian you read, Rome lasted maybe a thousand years. Athens lasted a while, too. We're not even close to a thousand years. And everything's at stake. Everything's at stake. A government that's supposed to have limited powers, as you can see, more and more has unlimited powers. They can actually control private property rights. They can actually control individual health care. They can actually control the propaganda that they intend to impose on your children. And you can't rely on the media. The framers thought you could. But obviously when it's corrupt, when it has taken a position in support of tyranny, pushes that agenda, it's no longer a free media. It's free press. I mean, they're free to do what they want, but that's not what was meant. That's not what was meant. It's media-organized propaganda. That's what it is. It's organized propaganda to push an agenda. We've seen that now all too clearly. And so what do we do about this? As my family will tell you, especially my wife, I sat down and I tried to figure out what to do about this. What do we do about it? I don't have all the answers, but I try to use... Whatever brain power I have, research abilities, writing abilities, speaking abilities, whatever abilities I have, and pull them together and spend endless weekends and nights and early mornings trying to figure this out. And I'm not alone, of course. And the result was American Marxism. And without getting too specific... I kind of touched on this the other day. I'm sitting down with people who love this country. Who love this country. 
all of whom have a copy of the book. Almost none of whom read it. Almost none of whom read it. Especially chapter 7, which is ultimately the key chapter. I didn't say anything at that point other than why don't you read it, but if we're not prepared to even read something, and I'm not saying that's the end all and be all, it's an example of one thing. That we prefer to whine and complain and sort of reinforce each other's uh, frustration. We're going to lose. They're going to win. We're going to lose and they're going to win. Because there's no lie that's too bad that they won't tell. There's no power they won't grab that they won't exercise. And they're expecting. They're expecting a public that may be upset, frightened, scared, angry, but lame, ultimately. Lame. They're not the majority, whether Biden's president or not. The majority of Americans don't hate their country. The majority of Americans don't think this is a racist country. The majority of Americans, of all ages, are not opposed to capitalism. We benefit from capitalism. A majority of Americans don't believe in an open border. A majority of Americans don't want endless debt that will crush their children and their grandchildren. Some do, no question. The Democrat Party supports all of that. But they don't get two-thirds of the vote. It's a diabolical party, led by diabolical people. And the Republican Party is a placid, mechanical, inept party. Any victories the Republican Party has is usually the result of the constitutionalists and the conservatives rising up. Reagan challenging them, as an example. Or that the opposition is so hard, they slip through. But we can't leave it to the Republican Party. Vote. Absolutely vote. But we have to do things in our own lives, in our own neighborhoods, in our own communities, in our own school systems... With corporations that fear controversy. But they don't fear us because we don't create controversy. There are things that we have to do. They're not onerous. They're not going to threaten your life or your safety. But certain things that we have to do to engage. Other than sit at the dinner table and agree with each other. And get dessert and then go home. Or we're going to lose everything. Now these, these attacks on liberty come in different forms. You see what's happened in Afghanistan. But you see what's happening in the United States. And you also see as, as perfect examples, almost aquariums of evidence, what's happening in these dark blue states. Those aren't free states. Those aren't free people in many respects. 
And people who understand it are trying to get the hell out of there. So the Democrat Party is a plan. We're going to nationalize everything. Everything. The voting system. Private property through landlords and tenants. Healthcare. We're going to nationalize everything so we, the one-third, can make all these decisions. Screw the red states or the purple states. Every state has to be California or Massachusetts or New York or whatever. Mobility won't matter anymore. I'm going to this state. It doesn't matter anymore. The capital gains tax. Think about that. What is it taxing? Your participation in capitalism. That's what the capital gains tax is, is taxing. You take a risk or you buy a home or you create a small business. This is the most vile tax of them all. If you fail, you don't get anything. If you succeed, they want 40, 50, 60% of it. You're just too damn successful. They don't do that to teachers unions members. They don't do that to slip and fall lawyers. This is the base of their party that provides the manpower and the money to their party. Everything they do is purposeful. Everything they do. Now, this isn't the way to grow ratings and keep an audience. I got it. But I've been doing this a long time. And most of you have trusted me. You know I speak from the heart. You know I speak from the mind. I try to speak the truth. This isn't a game for me. I'm not competing against anybody. I have no competition in this time slot, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not competing against anybody. My books aren't competing against anybody. They're always number one. That's because so many of you are so smart and engaged. But what about everybody else? What about everybody else? People can no longer say, Mark, what can we do? I say, the question is, what can I do or you do? And now I've said what you can do. You don't have to. You may have a thousand ideas of your own. God bless you. The Communist Manifesto lives on and on and on and on. It lives on forever. As diabolical as it is, all the human genocide that has followed, it's right in front of our face. We see it. North Korea, we see it in Communist China. You see it all over. But our words have to have a similar impact. And they will only have a similar impact if we digest them, if we live them, if we share them. Rather than just complain in frustration. Those of you who are activists, I'm not talking to you. Just look at your children and your grandchildren, they're the target. They're the target. You don't like the fact that Joe Biden's leading this country, or Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House, or Schumer's running the Senate. You don't like the fact that we have these radical judges who refuse to judge, who are political hacks. I'm with you. The border's wide open, and so forth and so on. We can talk about this till we're blue in the face. 
And we should talk about it a lot to spread the word. But we've got to do more. There's 900,000 of you have a copy of American Marxism. Please read it. Please go to chapter 7. If you don't want to read the first six chapters, please. Please share it with your friends and neighbors, please. Nothing's easier to at least start the ball. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Tries to move past Afghanistan fiasco, the president and his Democratic allies are looking to return to their focus to the legislative agenda in COVID-19 pandemic. See, they don't stop. So we have men and women behind enemy lines who are now effectively hostages to the Taliban, ISIS, and Al-Qaeda. We have God knows how many citizens, because we're getting lies. The numbers just change too much. They don't have any idea. And they're trying to dehumanize these citizens. You know, most of them are dual citizens. Who cares? They're Americans. This, the party so-called of immigration, by the way. I hope people of color from all over the world hear what they just said. They're lying about the genocide that's going on and going to go on. It's just appalling. And so it all comes down to politics and power. It always does. They write, the cold political calculation is based on a belief inside the White House that Americans, by and large, will ultimately process the withdrawal from Afghanistan as necessary, albeit difficult, act even if they harbor lingering doubts about its execution. The path forward for them in the fall remains COVID and infrastructure, said Jennifer Palomari, former communications director at the Obama White House, close to the Biden administration. The most important facts about Afghanistan remain that he got us out in terms of what the public cares about. You don't care about the citizenry, ladies and gentlemen? That's why they're dehumanizing American citizens behind enemy lines who are now hostages. That's why they are dehumanizing the men and women who assisted us in this war. Thousands of them are being slaughtered as I speak because they want you to move on. Will they succeed? The deaths of 13 of our service members? So we're moving on now, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about people overseas. Our diplomats are going to fix that. Our diplomats are going to fix that. It's over now. We're out of Afghanistan. Here's the problem. We're out of Afghanistan, but Afghanistan's not out of us. You get my point, Mr. Producer? I don't know how you look at 9-11, and we'll be looking at it again when the so-called anniversary occurs. I don't like an anniversary. You know, anniversaries are supposed to be good. But the 20th anniversary, I don't know how you look at that and say, okay, the war's over. We were never at war in Afghanistan when we got hit. This moronic phrase in the graphics on TV, the war's over. That war is never over. They're terrorists. That's why you build up the United States military. That's why you support the cops. That's why you, you have a border that you control, open or shut. You get to make the decision. 
And shot is better, certainly now. We're still not doing the things we need to do to protect this country. But now it's on to destroying it from within, you see. Destroy it from within. Mark, what do we do? What do we do? I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Joe Biden, just a reminder, August 19, 2021, ABC News with George Stephanopoulos. Go. Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops will stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Okay. This is such a betrayal, I don't even know what else to say. August 5, 2019, Joe Biden, cut to go. The stories of these people, for the public to understand that this is not just a statistic. This is, this is, this is who, who we are, who they are. I mean, it's a... And it really is about, you know, sort of reweaving that social fabric that holds a society together. Honesty, decency, hope, leaving nobody behind, giving hate no safe harbor. We don't always live up to that's, that. That's who we are. That's who we are. And it's the thing. Yeah, I can't even stand listening to this man talk, to be honest with you. He's so insincere. He's such a fool. Even John Berman of CNN today risks his job, no question about it, by saying the following. Cut three, go. This photo, which we saw first overnight, shows the very last American service member to leave Afghanistan. In all, 123,000 people were taken out of the country. 123,000 in about two and a half weeks. An unprecedented evacuation mission but as many as 200 Americans remain in the country. And that represents a broken promise from President Biden. He said the U.S. would stay to get them out. The U.S. did not stay. There are thousands of Afghan allies in the country still as well. Mm -hmm. So we salute ourselves for the greatest surrender in human history. While leaving... God knows how many of our citizens, some of them dual citizens, we're told, most of them dual citizens we hear from the White House. Therefore, they're diminishing them. Why would they even say that? Most of them dual citizens. Why? Think, 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 think. Why would they say mostly dual citizens? Because apparently the life of an Afghan-American citizen, who's also a citizen of Afghanistan, is to be diminished. They're to be dehumanized, don't you see? Otherwise, why bring it up at all? They're American citizens, period. 
Why bring it up at all that they're dual citizens? Most of them are dual citizens. Really? Who want to stay there? No, they don't. They want to get the hell out and get their families out. It's amazing listening to these people. These former Obama staffers, now Biden staffers. It's amazing. And I want to say something else to the, we don't nation build here. We haven't nation built for 12 years there. Obama didn't nation build in Afghanistan. Trump didn't nation build in Afghanistan. That's two terms of Obama, one term of Trump. 12 years, we were not nation building in Afghanistan the last 12 years. We were holding the enemy at bay. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Now the enemy's unleashed. The cockroaches are crawling all over the place. Then I have to listen. I won't even humiliate these people. I have to listen on TV to people talking about, well, the weapons aren't that bad. Admiral Kirby. I don't know where he was an admiral, what ship he was an admiral for, and what war, whatever. Admiral Kirby, an obnoxious, moronic spokesperson for the Defense Department, previously for the State Department under Obama. Well, they don't really need these weapons. What are they going to do with these weapons? These aren't the kind of weapons, you know, that can that they can reach out and hit us with. That's right. What's the point? A few jets and helicopters? Ground-to-air missiles? Hundreds of thousands of rifles and God knows how many millions of rounds of bullets? What's the big deal? I don't know. Maybe you can topple Afghanistan. Excuse me, uh, Pakistan. Maybe you can topple other countries. Maybe you can give it to other countries. So you see the propaganda. So it's not a big deal. All these $85 billion worth of weapons and night goggles. What's the big deal? Maybe 100 American citizens. We're down to 100. Most of them dual citizens. Ah, all right, who gives an S? Dual citizens. All right, great, great. Who cares? Everybody who wanted to get out got out. Let's move on now. Human infrastructure. There's the irony. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Free college, free health care, free this, free that. Unless, of course, you're a dual citizen caught behind enemy lines. You're on your own. The Secretary of State is going to work overtime, don't you know, to try and get you out. If they only knew who you were. If you'd only, if you only listened to the 19 contacts since March to get out. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. More Biden. Cut five. Go. Last night in Kabul, the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan. No, we didn't. We didn't start the quote-unquote war in Afghanistan. They did. Has anybody asked the Taliban or Al-Qaeda or ISIS if the war is over? Anybody asked them? Hey, it's over. 20 years over. We've left. Well, you weren't here. On September 11, 2001, didn't much matter, did it? 
Didn't much matter, did it, ladies and gentlemen? There they are, trying to kill us while our troops are trying to get out. They killed 13 of our precious troops, right? But the war's over, don't worry. The war's over. Proclaims the biggest schmuck to ever sit in the Oval Office. The biggest putz to ever sit in government. It's over. What time is it? What time is it? I need my hot chocolate, I, uh, my oatmeal. I, uh, what time is it? I want to go to Wilmington. I need my meds. The war's over, ladies and gentlemen. He got us out. He deserves a huge thanks. A huge thanks. We've never seen a commander-in-chief that's been so magnificent like this. Ask the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and ISIS and all the other cockroaches. Ask them if the war is over. Oh, they're sharpening their teeth. First, there's retribution, recriminations. We've got to spend at least a year slaughtering as many human beings as possible. Finding them, beheading them, torturing them, doing whatever we can, you know. This ghoulish, sickening, fundamentalist. Islamic ideology. Yeah, we got things to do. What do they need these weapons for, ladies and gentlemen? They could just use box cutters and get on jets, right? Well, they, they can't do anything with these weapons. How stupid is this? Unbelievable. A retired admiral speaking at the Pentagon. And by the way, 200 retired generals and admirals have now called for the resignation of the head of the Joint Chiefs and the Secretary of Defense. You know, if three of those guys had done it with Trump, it's headline news. Have you heard it anywhere on television? No. It's not a big deal. Because we are a corrupt propaganda machine, we in the media. So there's a political calculus at work at the White House now. Change the subject. Change the subject. Cut five, go. The longest war in American history. We completed one of the biggest... The longest war in American history, if that's how we're going to do this, is in Korea right now. There's never been an official end of the war in Korea. We have 32,000 troops in South Korea. Um... And by the way, there is something to thank Joe Biden for. NBC News satellite photos suggest North Korea back at work on nuclear arsenal. The only reason this reactor operates is to make nuclear weapons. The fact is, it's running. That means they're going to add to their stockpile, said an expert. So, North Korea is up and running. Iran's up and running. It's just fantastic. The war is over, ladies. It's over. It's over. It's over. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., you've been so underestimated your entire life. People thought you were a nasty, stubborn, stupid, lying jackass. And look, they were wrong. You're a nasty, lying, stupid jackass that's going to get more Americans killed. Now that's what you are. So North Korea's Nuclear reactor is operating as I speak tonight. It was not 
and Iran, according to the United Nations, we know they're always right. The Iranians are now moving full speed ahead toward nuclear weapons. And Biden's still begging them, please, won't you negotiate with us? We've already gotten you billions of dollars through South Korea and other countries. But the war's over. War's over. Thank goodness. It sounds like Neville Chamberlain. Peace in our time, doesn't it? Peace in our time. He's looking straight in the face of Adolf Hitler. Peace in our time. Because he wanted to believe it was peace in our time. So he drags his whole country down into the crap hole. And the government wanted to believe it in Britain. And the people wanted to believe it. And, and Winston Churchill says, you just made a deal with the devil. No, no, no. Something wrong with Churchill. Finally, we're out of Afghanistan. But Afghanistan's not out of us. Go ahead. With more than 120,000 people evacuated to safety. That number is more than... Ah, shut up, you idiot. Where's all the Americans? Where's all the Americans? Oh, the dual citizenship Americans. Yeah, them too. Where are they? Oh, let's condemn them, why don't we? Cut six, go. Since March, we reached out 19 times to Americans in Afghanistan with multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan all the way back as far as March. What did you say in March to them? What did you say? What did they say? I'd like to know what they said. What did they say on the first time, the second time, the third and fourth and fifth times? What did they say? Here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. They had no idea that they, they were going to be led by an unhinged, insane commander-in-chief that would draw the United States military before the citizens. Who could even predict that? Who could even think that up? So maybe the citizens thought, look, we'll know when it's time to leave when the United States military has removed us and then they leave. Because that's how every evacuation is supposed to occur, if that's the way it's supposed to be done, right? No, 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 you don't understand. Even they underestimated the insanity of the buffoon in the Oval Office. How many times did you tell them you would remove the military before you would make sure they were safely out, Biden? Not once. So what our government's doing is trying to figure out the talking points propaganda to persuade you that it's the fault of the citizens, and not just the citizens, the dual citizens. They're dual citizens, which means I guess we have half an interest in them. We're only down to 100, we learned today. 100, that's it. How do they know? We don't know how they know, but it's 100. Despite the fact scores of people were at the gate trying to get the hell in in the last 48 hours, and they couldn't. Whether they were students, whether they were Christians, whether they were little girls, they couldn't get out. Only 100, he says. He's a liar. Because out of the other side of his garbled mouth, he said we got about 90% of our citizens out. They say we got 6,000 out. John Lott immediately wrote me and he pointed out, well, geez, by my estimation, that's more than 100. Of course it is. 
They don't have any friggin' idea how many. And let me tell you something else. They're going to play Stonewall for the next several years, as long as they control the House and the Senate. There will not be a serious overview of what's taking place here. No, no, no. Change the subject. Change the subject. Give out freebies. Spend like, like drunken Marxists. Rearrange the Titanic. Let's do it, baby. And our media will follow. Organized propaganda. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want you to listen to this again, how sickening and diabolical this statement is that was written for him by probably some hack at the Department of State. Cut six, go. Since March, we reached out 19 times to Americans in Afghanistan. Tell me, uh, tell me, Dumbo, how many did you actually speak to? Hat tip to my brilliant, beautiful wife, Julie. How many did you actually speak to since March? Let's say March, April, May, June, July. You had almost half a year. Did you actually contact them and speak to them, or did you just kind of issue texts and emails? You seem to be able to read all their minds. They wanted to stay uh, earlier, but now they want to... How do you know? Go ahead. With multiple warnings and offers to help them leave Afghanistan, all the way back as far as March. After we started the evacuation 17 days ago, we did initial outreach and analysis and identified around 5,000 Americans. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You were putting out the number 15 or 13,000. You damn liar. Go ahead. We decided earlier to stay in Afghanistan, but now wanted to leave. How do you know they decided to stay in Afghanistan? I mean, let me give you an example. Let's say you're almost 64 years old, and your name is Mohammed Levin. You're me. And I'm a dual citizen. Oh, yes, I am. Let's just say I'm American and Afghan. And let's say, well, my wife has not gotten, you know, the papers. She filed them 10 years ago, but she couldn't get over here. She couldn't get the proper approval. And our four kids. Well, I'm not going to abandon my... So he decided to stay, you see? He decided to stay. And then they decide they want to get out. Oh, really? How much of that is red tape from the Biden administration? But how many of these people were actually contacted and spoken to? I'll bet almost none. I'll be right back. Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. All right, let me try this. You and me, as long as I'm alive and behind this microphone, or any microphone, we're going to hold Biden and the Democrat Party to account. We're going to hold the Secretary of State and the National Security Advisor. We're going to hold the, spe- the mouthpiece Kirby, the Secretary of Defense, McKenzie, all of them, responsible for getting our citizens out through diplomacy. That's what they said. Diplomacy. 
We will not forget. We red-blooded Americans, citizens and dual citizens, we will not forget that we have Americans behind enemy lines. And if Congress were worth a crap, even under the Democrats, they would demand to know the exact number, how the Department of State came up with this number, if they know their names, having given it to the Taliban. And by the way, the communist Chinese and fascistic Russia did not join in insisting on the release of American citizens from Afghanistan. So much, he goes, a hundred countries agree with us. Ninety of them don't even matter. (laughs) Big deal. If you're suffering over there behind enemy lines now, you don't care about diplomacy. If a hundred countries agree to anything, you have no damn way to get the hell out of there. Unless some of our patriotic veterans, they're running a, uh, are running some kind of a system to try and get them out. Almost like an underground railroad, so to speak. That's what we're left with. But the Democrats and Biden, with the help of the corrupt propaganda media, want to change the subject now. The war is over. Put it behind you. Did Ronald Reagan put the hostages, 52 of them, in Iran behind him? And again, I want to remind you, I want to remind you, those of us who are old enough remember, many don't. And I've said this before and I want to repeat it. We used to see every night on the news, every night, network news, really before cable came into being in any significant way, we used to see every night on the network news, day 110, day 300 in this and that, to remind the public, to remind ourselves, to remind Jimmy Carter and our government that there were American hostages being held by the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. 52, as I recall. 52. ABC News. That's how Ted Koppel became famous. And Nightline became famous. It's day 212 hostages in Iran. As liberal as the media were, they were not endorsing this American Marxist movement. Even back then. Today they're out of the closet. Today they're out of the closet. You don't see on any news program tonight. Actually, the only one I saw on was Hannity. He's counting the days of hostages. And he started it, I think, a week or so ago. I haven't seen it anywhere else. Not that I am wedded to TV all the time. But it's not on CNN. It's not on MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS. It's not on any of those, those networks. 
And it's not even enough on my favorite network, Fox. It ought to be up there every single day. By the way, you also notice as a side point, you don't see the deaths from coronavirus on the screen either. Now that Joe Biden's been president, notice that, Mr. Producer? Where are the charts? No, 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 that's DeSantis. DeSantis. Oh, I see. So Cuomo's busy killing nursing home uh, senior citizens. That's Trump. But Biden has the border wide open. No Operation Warp Speed unless we're trying to surrender. That's his only Operation Warp Speed. They don't have anything new online for vaccines and therapeutics for these, uh, for these changed uh, viruses coming in. Oh, we have the wear a mask, wear a mask. Oh, really? Wear a mask. That'll fix it. Of course, in Afghanistan, it's wear burqa. Here's the next lie that came out of Biden's mouth. Cut seven, go. In April, I made a decision to end this war. As part of that decision, we set the date of August 30th. You didn't end the war, you idiot. The enemy's still at war with us. I don't remind you. Did you su- hey, did you sign some kind of peace agreement with the Taliban or ISIS or Al Qaeda? Right under the war. Right under the war. Where's my slippers? Go ahead. American troops to withdraw. The assumption was that more than 300,000 Afghan national security forces that we had trained over the past two decades and equipped would be a strong adversary in the strong what? wars with the Taliban. All right, a couple of things here. He just keeps lying and lying and lying. It's grotesque. It's grotesque. Number one, as late as June, or as early as June, they received a memo that you all had read to you by me from staff, State Department staff, on the ground in Afghanistan, warning if we pull out, the army will collapse and the government will collapse. So he's a liar. That's number one. Number two, we pulled the military out first. No moron does that, unless you're Joe Biden. Pulled the military out first, took the air power away from the Afghan army. He took the intelligence away from Afghan special forces. And he took the mechanics away from their jets and their helicopters. And he did most of it under cover of night without coordinating with our Afghan allies. And no less than retired Colonel Richard Kemp, who was on my show a few weeks back on Fox, Commander of the British Forces said this was an absolute outrage. That what we train the Afghan army to do is to fight in concert with our backup and support. With our intel. Because we had CIA operatives. With our air power. That's how they were taught to fight. You took their air power and you took their intel away. So he acts like he has no responsibility for any of this. And you did it in the middle of the The commander, the Afghan commander of the Bagram Air Base shows up and we're gone. And they left all the equipment for the enemy. That's how fast we moved out. So it's not that they weren't able to fight. As Colonel Kemp said on my show, 
50,000 of these men died in the last seven years. They were the ones taking on the brunt of the battle. 50,000 men died. We lost 58,000 in Vietnam, <coughs> excuse me, and approximately 48,000 in North Korea. Does that sound like these people wouldn't fight? They tried. As a matter of fact, even early on, as the Taliban were on the move, the special forces were fighting. They were fighting them. Until they heard we moved out of the Bagram airport. Then they knew it was over. And that's how we taught them and trained them to fight. So he keeps lying. Let's go to cut eight. Go. Now we believe that about 100 to 200 Americans remain in Afghanistan. Okay, now how can that be that we believe 100 to 200? That's a big difference, 100 to 200, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? And how did we get 100 to 200? Six hours ago, it was 250. A few hours before that, it was 1,500. Where are these numbers coming from? They're trying to reduce the numbers. They're trying to dumb down the humanity involved. You know, they're dual citizens, not most of them. Yeah, okay. Well, all right, screw it then. Go ahead. With some intention to leave. Most of those who remain. Wait a minute, we have 100 to 200 Americans with some intention to leave. Do you understand, folks, what's going on? This is, this is the worst kind of shameless propaganda. There's 100 to 200 left with some intention to leave. Nobody among them says, Get me the hell out of here! I have no intention to stay! Now, you know, this is a lie. We've heard the cries and the voices if you watch Fox. You're telling me an interpreter has some intention to leave? Or 100 to 200 Americans have some intention to leave? How do they know this? Are they doing a psychoanalysis? Are they speaking to these people? Who have they spoken to? What percentage have they spoken to? How many have already been killed? And we don't know. We're involved in high-level diplomacy. Go ahead. Our dual citizens. Oh, well, there you have. Dual citizens. The man with the open border, with dual citizens coming over by the hundreds of thousands. That's what they hope, right? But you see, these dual citizens are behind enemy lines. They won't be able to vote Democrat. You understand? They won't be able to vote Democrat. As a matter of fact, many of these interpreters and their families, many of these Afghans, if they ever get here, they ever become citizens, they probably won't vote Democrat anyway because they're probably going to be pissed off at what the Democrats have done to them, you know? So they're like the Cubans and the Venezuelans. We're in no hurry to bring the... Hey, what the hell? These Afghans can sneak into Mexico. Maybe they have a good shot at coming into the United States. This is sick. This man is is evil in his insanity. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Paul Ryan did an interview on 
One of my affiliates, the great WISN. We love WISN in Milwaukee. And he says the election was not stolen. There don't need to be these audits, including in Wisconsin. And so publicly, I would like to invite the former speaker on this program to discuss a very specific aspect of this last election, and that's Pennsylvania. And I am publicly asking the speaker, the former speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, if he will come on this program so we can discuss Pennsylvania, the two lawsuits that were brought in Pennsylvania. The first lawsuit involving the Constitution, the federal Constitution, and whether he thinks an elected rogue state Supreme Court can change the election laws that the legislature put in place and will determine who the constitutionalist is. There are at least two Supreme Court justices who wanted to take up that issue, and that is Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito. But they couldn't get another two to do it. Maybe another one. But I'd like to have that discussion with Paul Ryan, who claims to be a constitutionalist and believes in the rule of law. The second lawsuit that was brought and was supported by a common police court judge, but immediately overturned by the the rogue elected Supreme Court, much like the court many decades ago in Florida. And that involves the bastardization of the amendment process within the state of Pennsylvania. They changed the voting system in Pennsylvania, and yet under Pennsylvania, they're very strict rules. You have to actually amend the Constitution to do it, and there's three very big obstacles you have to, you have to get over in order to do it, and the legislature had failed. And yet they still applied it. And so I want to discuss that with Paul Ryan, too. If he's going to go around and talk about false claims and so forth, I don't know which false claims he's talking about. I don't know every other aspect of this. But I do know those two, which were the very strongest of cases, serious constitutional cases, where a Supreme Court, an elected Democrat, radical Supreme Court, with the public sector unions put the majority in there, I'd like to have that discussion with Paul Ryan, rather than him going around taking pot shots. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our final hour of the evening, 877-381-3811. We'll take some of your calls later. Still lots to cover here. The Daily Mail, you may have heard this, you may not. Biden abandons Afghan interpreter who rescued him when his Black Hawk helicopter was forced to land in a snowstorm in 2008. Translator asked President to save him from Taliban. He's still still over there. He's going to be target number one. He's hiding from the Taliban with his wife and four children. After trying for years to get out of Afghanistan to no avail. He had 19 warnings, my God! Biden was on board one of two Black Hawk helicopters. They made an emergency landing in a blinding snowstorm, writes the Daily Mail. When the interpreter came to his rescue. Hello, Mr. President. Save me and my family, Mohammed said. According to the Wall Street Journal, don't forget me here. 
Mohammed, going only by his first name for safety reasons, is hiding from the Taliban with his family. If they're trying for years to get out of Afghanistan to no avail. And Mohammed, while working for the U.S. Army, had a key role in a story often repeated and embellished by Biden himself during his 2008 run for vice president. As Senator Biden was on board one of two Black Hawk helicopters that made an emergency landing in a blinding snowstorm alongside then-Senators John Kerry and Chuck Hagel. Where the hell is Chuck Hagel? I know he likes to spend a lot of time in Florida eating grouper, trashing Trump. And John Kerry, where is he? Blowhard, flying around the earth about carbon dioxide. Muhammad is one of thousands of SIV applicants left behind. That's interpreters, or people who assisted our forces. There were 88,000 SIV applicants, and as of last week, only 6,000 got out. Hello! That means over 80,000 have been left behind. There's going to be mass graves over there. It was frightening. There was somebody being interviewed on Fox, and you could hear the gunshots in the background. Did you hear that, Mr. Producer? They're going house to house killing people. You could hear the shooting. I mean, it's one thing if you're Joe Biden and you have no morals, you have no conscience. You're a sick, stupid, nasty old man. But to then drag the whole country into his world with the thanks of the Democrat Party and the media, is really unbelievable. Unbelievable. Private security team with the former firm Blackwater and U.S. Army soldiers stood watch for Taliban fighters. As the crew called the Bagram Air Force. Oh! The air base, I should say. For help. Oh, that's not our base anymore. Where Muhammad jumped in a Humvee along with a force from the 82nd Airport Division and drove hours into the mountains to rescue them. The three senators were driven back to the base with the convoy. Imagine if the Taliban had gotten those three. Hello, Mr. President. Save me and my family, Mohammed said, according to the Wall Street Journal. Don't forget me here. I can't leave my house, he said on Tuesday. I'm very scared. Muhammad's visa application reportedly stalled when the defense contractor he worked for lost records needed for his visa application. As the Taliban seized control on August 15, Muhammad tried his luck at the Kabul airport gates, but was turned away by U.S. forces. They told him he could go, but he'd have to leave his wife and children behind. I guess that's what Biden means when he says... Some people just want to stay there, ladies and gentlemen. They just want to stay there. Your blood should be boiling beyond belief right now. How you're being lied to. How you're being lied to. The cold-blooded, horrific nature of this government, this administration. The top of the Defense Department should be shamed out of office. Still lies coming from the Secretary of State, National Security Advisor. U.S. soldiers say Muhammad was there alongside them for over 100 firefights. Over 100 firefights. Now, you're the President of the United States. 
You've been through this, and somebody comes to you, and they say, this guy, Muhammad, say, you say, get him out, get his wife out, get his kids out. At a minimum, right? Never happened. <clears throat> Involved in over 100 firefights alongside our forces. But you, these, these Afghans won't fight, ladies and gentlemen. They won't. No, no, no. It's Biden who won't fight. He won't fight for the American citizens. He won't fight for the Afghans who supported us. He won't fight. And his neck's not even on the line. The area of rescue is not under Taliban control, but just one day before the three then-senators' chopper went down, Taliban had killed nearly two dozen Taliban insurgents just ten miles away. We were going to send Biden out to fight the Taliban with snowballs, but we didn't have to do it, Kerry joked after the senator's rescue. The trip was one of many that Biden, then chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, took overseas with Kerry and Hegel. Yeah, Mo, Larry, and Curley, who went to become secretaries of state and defense, respectively, under President Obama. Now, in a speech on the campaign trail, Biden said in 08, you want to know where al-Qaeda lives? You want to know where Osama bin Laden is? Come back to Afghanistan with me. Come back to the area where my helicopter was forced down with a three-star general and three senators at 10,500 feet in the middle of those mountains. I can tell you where they are. It's in the mountains between Afghanistan and Pakistan, he said, where my helicopter was recently forced down. So there he is acting like a tough guy. Hey, I was there, a tough guy, yeah, and a helicopter went down. Probably, please save me, Muhammad. Please, I beg you, get me out of here. Me and Mr. 15 Purple Hearts over here and Chuck Schmegel. Please, please. Army veterans stepped in on Muhammad's behalf to call for help. If you can only help one Afghan, choose Muhammad, wrote Sean O'Brien, an Army combat vet who worked with him in Afghanistan in 08. He earned it. The U.S. has evacuated over 120,000 from Taliban rule since August 14, they write, including 5,500 Americans. But left behind somewhere between 100 and 200 Americans. Those numbers mean nothing to me. I don't believe them. And thousands of Afghan interpreters, thousands, who worked with the United States military in its hasty exit. But Biden called it an extraordinary success because his ass wasn't on the line. A White House official declined to comment on Muhammad's case for confidentiality reasons. Why, does HIPAA apply to the war? No. Because they have nothing good to say. Nothing. It's unbelievable. I'm reading through anything else. No. Muhammad, his wife, his children. Unless somehow some of these private entities, these vets, these great American patriots, find him and get him and his family out. He's, he's going to be killed in the most horrendous way. Has anybody asked John Kerry about this? How about Chuck Hagel? No, nobody's asked any of them about it. And the White House won't say. Because you see, the Afghans won't fight. This is what we're told. Just collapsed. Out of blue, they saw fighting and they just collapsed. No, that's not what happened, folks. 
some of the isolationists and neo-Biden supporters on TV and radio talk like this. They have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I've had these Americans who have fought side-by-side with these Afghans on this show, on my TV show, on Levin TV. Generals, commander, colonels. Not one of them said the Afghans wouldn't fight. Just when you pull their entire support away from them, it becomes a problem. A big problem. And here we have an Afghan who not only fought, he fought heroically to save three United States senators and was in over 100 live-fire combat missions with American forces. And he's left behind. I cannot imagine any other president doing this. None of them. I cannot imagine any other Secretary of Defense doing this. I cannot imagine any general doing this under orders and not resigning instead. I have no respect for General Milley. I don't care what he did before he was in this position. I see what he's done in this position. And General McKenzie, shame on you. Shame on you too. I'm sure you've done heroic things, except now. You will be remembered not for what you've done before today, but for what you did today. And may well be that this will be viewed for the next year, two, three, five, whatever, with the corrupt, organized propaganda media as a great thing. But history will condemn these men. Our military schools will use these men and what they did as an example of complete and utter betrayal. That's what they will do. That's why these parents of the murdered 13 American heroes are so furious. And they are right. And now the Democrat Party wants to change the subject. Next time you hear Biden or members of his party talk about people of color, remind them of the people of color in Afghanistan. Next time they talk about women's rights and equity, remind them of the women that they left in enemy territory. Next time they talk about gun control, remind them of the guns that they gave the terrorists. I'll be right back. Alright, the Daily Mail, listen to this, this is a bombshell, this is a bombshell, all the backbenchers in radio and TV, please listen, all the backbenchers with your websites, please listen, please use this, Daily Mail, as Biden repeats claim that nobody could have known Afghan army would collapse, Bombshell transcript from July reveals he pressured Afghan President Ghani to create, quote, perception, unquote, Taliban wasn't winning, whether it's true or not, quote, unquote. You hear this, Mr. Producer? Reuters, 
today released excerpts from last call between Biden and Ghani before the Afghan president fled. They talked for about 14 minutes on July 23 as the Taliban advanced rapidly. Biden told his counterpart of a perception that the fight against the Taliban was not going well. Quote, there is a need, whether it's true or not, to project a different picture, Biden said. Comments or indication Biden knew it was a matter of time before the Taliban won. In months leading up to the withdrawal, Biden predicted pullout would go smoothly. Now can we impeach a president over a phone call? This was the brilliant point made by my stepson, David. Now can we impeach a president over a phone call, ladies and gentlemen? He wanted the now-departed Afghan president to create the perception, quote-unquote, that his government was capable of holding off the Taliban. This has been transcribed now. Four weeks before Kabul collapsed, Ghani pleaded for more air support, money for soldiers who had not been paid to, to rise in a decade. A transcript obtained by Reuters revealed two leaders oblivious to the impending disaster and an American president focused on spinning the message. Hello, Kevin McCarthy. Where's Mitch McConnell today? Where, where is he? At some cafe in Washington? I don't know. Quote, I need to tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there is a need, whether it's true or not, there is a need to project a different picture, Biden says, to Afghans President Ghani, who asked for more air support. Now, at that time of the call, the Taliban were already capturing district after district across the country, while the U.S. and Afghanistan were at loggerheads over tactics. In the months leading up to the chaotic U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan, Biden was telling the public a different story, that the withdrawal would be done smoothly, and that Washington's Afghan allies were in control. Quote, I don't think anybody anticipated, Biden told ABC News when asked about swift disintegration of the Afghan security forces. Here's the point. He knew that it was disintegrating. When he told the American people, he did not anticipate it. And he told the then president who fled Afghanistan, the then president, on July 23rd, to create a lie, a false picture of what was going on in Afghanistan. Unbelievable. In the withdrawal, he says, we'll do it responsibly, Biden, deliberately and safely. This is what he said to ABC. We'll do it in full coordination with our allies and partners. There are now more forces in Afghanistan than we do. And the Taliban should know that if they attack us, as we draw down, we will defend ourselves and our partners with all the tools at our disposal. In July, Biden said the withdrawal, which was to be completed by August 31, was proceeding in a secure and orderly way. He gave no indication it would be chaotic. When asked if Taliban takeover of Afghanistan was inevitable, the president responded, no, it is not. It is not inevitable. When Biden was asked if he trusted the Taliban, he replied, no, but I trust the capacity of the Afghan military 
who's better trained, better equipped, and more competent in terms of conducting war. The president was then asked about his own intelligence community's assessment that the Afghanistan government would likely collapse. That's not true, Biden responded. They did not reach that conclusion. The intelligence community did not say back in June or July that, in fact, this was going to collapse like it did. Biden told ABC News earlier this month. He said he was not told that Taliban would take over as quickly as they did. Instead, he said there was a possibility it would take more time. Not even close, Biden said. But behind the scenes, Biden knew that the situation was more precarious. And he wanted the president of Afghanistan to lie to create the impression that his forces weren't being overwhelmed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is a phone call, as my stepson pointed out, David. This is a phone call over which somebody should be impeached, and his name is Biden. Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a bombshell by any standard as an impeachable offense, particularly under the, the Ukraine phone call standard. There is simply no question about this. Two weeks after his remarks to reporters denying the Taliban takeover was inevitable, Biden and Ghani, the president of Afghanistan, spoke for 14 minutes on July 23. It was their last conversation before the Taliban captured the capital. Ghani fled the presidential palace, Kabul, and the country on August 15. But in mid-July, Biden was intent on Ghani delivering a public message and public plan that would shore up confidence in the Afghan government. He said, you clearly have the best military of 300,000 well-armed forces. By the way, they've never had 300,000 armed forces. Versus 70 to 80,000, they're clearly capable of fighting well. We will continue to provide close air support if we know what the plan is and what we are doing. He pushed Ghani to allow his defense minister, General Bishmala Ka Malama, to pursue a strategy that would focus on defending major population centers. And he urged the Afghan president to bring together some of the most powerful anti-Taliban warlords in a show of support to reverse perceptions, perceptions of a crumbling government. He said, I really think, I don't know whether you're aware just how much the perception around the world is that this is looking like a losing proposition, which it is not, not that it necessarily is that, but so the conclusion I'm asking you to consider is to bring together everyone. If they stand there and say they back the strategy you put together and put a warrior in charge, you know, a military man, Khan, in charge of executing the strategy, and that will change perception, and that will change an awful lot, I think, says Biden. Ghani responded by saying Afghanistan was facing not just the Taliban, but their foreign backers. He said, we're facing a full-scale invasion composed of Taliban, full Pakistani planning and logistical support, and at least 10 to 15,000 international terrorists, predominantly Pakistanis, thrown into this. You've never heard any of this. Neither did I. Have you, Mr. Producer? So they were being invaded 
on top of everything else from Pakistan. You didn't know this either, folks. But Biden did. But he also asked the American close air support to be front-loaded, he said, to help with the challenges faced by the Afghan army immediately. In other words, he wanted them to hammer away at the invaders and the Taliban immediately. Details of their conversation emerged today, a day after the last troops were flown out of Kabul, ending America's longest war, they write. This is a Daily Mail. You'll never see stories like this broken in the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. Washington Compost is busy chasing uh, Peter Ducey. That's our boy Philly Bump. <clears throat> what a complete slop. In a follow-up call later that day that did not include President Biden, Biden's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, General Mark Milley, and U.S. Central Command Commander General Frank McKenzie spoke to Ghani. Reuters also obtained a transcript of that call. In this call, too, an area of focus was global perception of events on the ground in Afghanistan. Global perception, not the reality. Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, told Ghani, quote, the perception in the United States and Europe and the media sort of thing is a narrative of Taliban momentum. Duh, you think? And a narrative of Taliban victory, we need to collectively demonstrate and try to turn that perception, that narrative around. They're not even talking about how to help stop the Taliban within Afghanistan. They're talking about the perception. Their perception. Now you're also going to see who the real reporters are and who the real reporters are not. This should be on the top of every news program. This should be a marquee headline in every newspaper in America. On every website that's worth a damn. I do not believe this is uh, that time is our friend here. We need to move quickly, McKenzie added. A spokesperson for McKenzie declined to comment. A spokesman for Milley did not respond by publication time. Wow. Wow, and they dump all over Trump for his phone call with the president of Ukraine, which was perfectly fine. They're wanting the Afghan president to lie about what's going on on the ground. Biden is lying to the American people while this is taking place. Biden lied today about what was taking place. This is the first time I've read that you had foreign fighters pouring into Afghanistan from Pakistan. But perception, the word perception keeps popping up. Wow. Nobody could have known, Biden said, I'm quoting him, the Afghan army would collapse. But Biden knew it was collapsing. And I'll add a few other points. Here you have the president of Afghanistan, whatever you think of the guy now. Here you have the president of Afghanistan saying, I need you to front load air power. We need air power. What does Biden do, Mr. Producer? He shuts down our air base and pulls out the air power. And what do Milley and McKenzie say? We're running out of time on perception. Another point. 
as they blame the citizens of the United States, excuse me, the dual citizens for being in Afghanistan. We sent them 19 warnings. Biden, you were trying to tell the world, and you did tell the world, that you didn't know that the Afghan army would collapse this quickly. You didn't give him what he wanted, air cover. You pulled him out of the air base, for God's sakes. So how the hell were any American citizens to have any idea what the hell was going on when Biden was lying to the American people? Now, what are Pelosi and the rest of the Stooges intent on doing about this? And I expect the Republican leadership in the House to take this and run with it. We cannot have a president who lies to us like this. We cannot have the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff who participates in this. We cannot. We must not. We can't believe a damn thing that comes out of his mouth, or Millie's mouth, or Austin's mouth, or the Secretary of State, the National Security Advisor. They needed to change perceptions that the Taliban's rapid advance, whether it's true or not. Whether it's true or not. And again, say what you will about this president who ran off with God knows how much money in Afghanistan. He said, we're losing. They're overrunning us. There are foreign fighters pouring into our country, 10 to 15,000 from Afghanistan. How come Biden didn't say that in his speech today? They didn't tell a single reporter, day in and day out at the Pentagon with this guy Kirby, day in and day out at the State Department with this guy Price, day in and day out with Pisaki, with General Milley, with General this and General that. Not a word. Now let's see how the media react to this. The AP. Reuters port reported it. Let's see how the AP responded. I noticed the AP reported the Defense Department always says, well, thank you for being here. She says this to the generals, the secretary. What do you mean, thank you for being here, dummy? Let's see how the White House press corps responds to this. Oh, we need to get this behind us. And at the same time, we deserve props, you know. This was a fantastic, unbelievable success. Unprecedented. And I sit here, I think about things. For instance, if they knew Afghanistan was crumbling, America, Mr. Producer, if they knew it was crumbling, and they knew on July 23rd that the Taliban advanced rapidly, and that the president of Afghanistan is telling them, I can't hold these people off. Then why didn't they start evacuating American citizens in July? Why didn't they start evacuating American citizens in July? You heard Joe Biden say today, with that constipated, stupid look on his face, we contacted them 19 times. Did you ever tell them that the Taliban were advancing? No, you were creating a contrary perception. And you created it even up to today. You lied through your false teeth. This is shocking. 
And I'll do something I never do. I want to thank Reuters. I want to thank Reuters for putting this information out because no other newsroom in America got it. And you had newsrooms in America regurgitating the propaganda from the White House, the senior brass at the Defense Department. They always say, our troops are heroes, our troops are valorous, our troops are paid. Of course they are. The only people who ever question our troops are the people in the Democrat Party who hate them. Not us. But these generals abused our troops. This administration abused our troops. This administration lied to the American people as combat was going on. They lied to the American people. They lied to each and every one of you, including those of you who voted for Biden. They lied to you. Whether it's true or not, there is a need, quote, there is a need, whether it's true or not, to project a different picture, unquote, Joe Biden. Can you imagine if Donald Trump had said something like that under circumstances like this? His entire party would have turned on him. His entire party would have turned on him. Meanwhile, watch. Watch. As the Praetorian Guard media, watch. As the Democrat Party circle the wagons. Yes, Biden is mentally, he's not just cognitively stuck, he's unhinged. This is no joke. Wow. This is huge. This came out while I was on the air, 6.44 p.m. Eastern Time, Mr. Producer. 6.44 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, you're also going to find out all the hosts and producers and directors of all these TV shows and radio shows who listen to my every syllable. And you know what? They're smart. They should. It's time for the echo chamber to really kick into gear. I'll be right back. in. Now, it's important to stick with this show. This reminds me of March 2017, Mr. Producer, when I pulled to get all the public reports, all the leaks coming out of the FBI announcement and said, wait a minute, they're spying on Trump. Remember that? Everybody runs with it like they create, oh, I've got my group of people here. We did Okay, fine. This reminds me of the phone call we had from the medical director of a nursing home in New York. Remember that call, Mr. Beducer? We've played it, where we helped expose what was going on in nursing homes in New York. People ran with it. I don't expect credit. We never get credit. That's okay. This is a little different. This is Reuters, so it's out there. But I need to give this voice. I need to give this voice with our millions and millions of listeners, you folks, that this is shocking. And I went ahead and posted this article. Now can we impeach a president over a phone call is what I said on at Mark Levin show Getter, G-E-T-T-R, and at Mark Levin show 
parlor. This is a big deal. You'll probably hear it now on TV, hopefully, and radio tomorrow. I'm going to keep hammering this. And I want to strongly encourage you, please jump in, folks. If you've already jumped in with American Marxism, we've got to keep at this. Then please make sure family members, friends, and colleagues are with us. Give them a copy of American Marxism. Give them an early Christmas gift or a Hanukkah gift. Give them an early birthday gift, whatever it is. Maybe they want the audio. They'd rather listen to it. Maybe they want ebook. They'd rather read it on a pad. However you do it. Please, let's keep pushing, pushing, pushing. I have complete faith in you. As Biden repeats claim that nobody could have known Afghan army would collapse, he did it today. Bombshell transcript from July. First reported by Reuters reveals he pressured Afghan President Ghani to create, quote, a perception that Taliban wasn't winning, whether it's true or not. That's a 14-minute discussion with other information in it on July 23rd, as the Taliban were advancing. There is a need, whether it's true or not, to project a different picture. In other words, a lie. And Millie was in on it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. God bless each and every one of you patriots. Check out Amazon.com, American Marxism. Keep your chin up. We don't give up. See you tomorrow.